0: Hello, it's Thursday 30th of June. I'm Hannah Pearson. On today's show, Gary Bowerman and I will be discussing the outlook for tourism in Phuket exactly one year after the Phuket Sandbox began with our special guest, Sumi Sorian, Executive Director of the Phuket Hotels Association. So let's get started. This is the Southeast Asia Travel Show.
1: Hello, wherever you are in the world, and thanks for listening in. So today we're jetting off to Phuket to check on its tourism progress. Exactly one year ago, on the 1st of July 2021, Thailand initiated the Phuket Sandbox scheme to kickstart inbound travel after 16 months of border closures during the pandemic. The Phuket Sandbox was heavily criticized for being a bit too bureaucratic and inflexible, and it was replaced in November by the Test and Go scheme. A mix of domestic and inbound tourists have seen Phuket welcome 1.7 million visitors in the first five months of 2022.
0: So to dive deeper into Phuket's tourism and hospitality outlook 12 months on from the Phuket Sandbox, we're delighted to welcome Sumi Suryan, Executive Director of the Phuket Hotels Association. So Sumi, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? And where are you? Because you're not actually in Phuket, are you today?
2: Thanks, Hannah. Hi, Gary. And um, a a big thank you to both of you for inviting me to the podcast today. I'm very excited. Um, I'm not in Phuket today. I'm in Bangkok, actually, for the week and uh, attending in-person conferences, which has been unheard of for the last two years. So it's really great to be back and meeting people and going out and about to very busy places here in the city. You know, if if you didn't mention it, it's like it is a year ago, and I have to say, time has gone past so quickly since we've started the sandbox, and we've made some adjustments to sandbox as well with the Thailand test and go, and then reducing and easing the restrictions as well. Um Yeah, you know that we we have quite a bit of learnings from that, and I think. Uh, You know, it has been criticised for the bureaucracy, but I think it was very much needed as well to safeguard our island in case there's any potential breakouts that might jeopardise the destination. And I think all the the necessary regulations were put in place was good. And I think, you know, with the vaccination percentage of 70% for the residents and particularly the frontline staff, was important and was implemented in a very fast and efficient way i have to comment uh uh, the government and also the the related um association and organizer organizations who tried to to make this work has thought out each of the process uh, for the best interest of the people um working on the front line so it, it was done to protect the people and also guests and visitors.
0: Yeah, I mean, and uh, you know, we we had Bali Hotels Association on the podcast last week, and it was interesting because I remember last year we did a, a kind of Bali Hotels Association, Phuket Hotels Association um, joint um, podcast, and we were talking. This was before either destination opened, I think, and we were talking about who who was likely to reopen the fastest, and I think Gary and I's money was actually on on Bali. And Phuket completely uh, leapfrogged that, right? Bali's reopening really only happened this year. Um, Whereas, you know, you you have to give, um, I think, a lot of credit to Thailand and Phuket for really advocating and pushing for the reopening of tourism. And you were the first one in in the region to do that.
2: That's right. We were the first one to do it. And also putting down um, regulations wasn't easy, being the first destination to open so there's a lot of learnings uh, from that and and throughout that time we have tried to ease the restrictions as well to the best ability we can and I think you know we've done a fantastic job um, in getting ready getting the destination ready and keeping people safe more importantly um, people are working in the front line for the hospitality and tourism industry and also for the safety of tourists coming back. And I think that's really important to keep in mind. That's what the rules and regulations were for. And um, it was to protect the people.
1: So let's talk a bit about the, the Phuket Hotels Association, Sumi. You've worked there in different roles since 2016. And if we take aside COVID-19, that period between 2016 and 2019 was, was a period of development and a period of expansion. What changes have you noticed in the island's hotel scene over the time that you've worked there?
2: Yeah, so so I'm very lucky to have worked with um, Hotels Association since its inception in 2016. Um, So I've held the role as I started out as a project manager and then moved on to development director and now executive director. So we have seen many changes over the years. And um, the most, I guess, apparent is the change of markets from time to time and how the Chinese market has emerged quite significantly over Russians over the years. And with now post-COVID, we're seeing a lot more Middle Eastern market.
0: Let's discuss a little bit later with Gary and I definitely want to talk to you about the Chinese market and the Russian market because they have been so key for Phuket. But I'm just wondering, you know, when it, we, you talked a little bit about the Phuket um, sandbox, and to me, when I look at it, I think one of the the standout features, I think, of Phuket opening is really that collaboration, I think, between private um, tourism associations um, advocating, really advocating very, very strongly to the government. Did Phuket Hotels Association really play a a key role in that that advocating to reopen?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think the Phuket Tourist Association, under the leadership of Kunbumikiti was exceptional during the times of COVID. Um, they got everybody involved, all associations and establishments, private, non-private, to be part of the planning and discussion process in terms of opening Phuket as the first destination in not only Thailand, but Southeast Asia. It's a very brave move and Phuket Tourist Association has thought out every angle and avenue to cover gaps and holes and any possible um, challenges that we might uh, receive from opening the borders. The, um, you know, it took months, we were part of the planning process, lots of meetings, discussions, and, and then drafting and putting a paper together for him to bring it to the um, prime minister to suggest that, you know, to open Phuket. So it was a big uh, undertaking it was very efficient, I have to say, and um, it didn't take long because we were real advocates in, in getting it going. All these sectors were behind it. It was well supported and it was positively lobbied.
1: It's interesting looking back now, one year later, uh, Sumi, at the Phuket uh, sandbox. I mean, if we, if we look back, I mean, I wrote an article this week for the Asia Media Center and I said that I think as we go forward in time, that the Phuket sandbox will be seen as an important landmark for Southeast Asian tourism in the pandemic era for a number of reasons. And I think one of those is because it really was a product of its time. If we go back a year ago, you know, vaccination rates were much lower. Uh, the Delta wave was really causing havoc through most of Southeast Asia. So there, was, there were real factors that, that made it important and bold for Thailand to do this. It lasted for four months and then Thailand moved forward again with the test and go scheme, which has been very successful. What were the sort of processes that you saw going on during the Phuket Sandbox ahead of the test and go scheme to get ready for what really became like a, a full-on reopening?
2: For us, we really saw the Phuket Sandbox. I think the 14 days and the 17 days quarantine was helpful in terms of the hotels. I think the industry that was hit hard the most was the hospitality industry in Phuket. And uh, we thought that it was a really great initiative to have that Phuket sandbox scheme as well as making sure that you know the tourists coming back are also well looked after during that time of arrival uh, because that's where traditionally where the um, infection takes place during your travel. So it, it allowed them to have that time to make sure that their health are in order before they are then free to roam around Phuket and then outside of Phuket after a certain period of time and I think that worked really well at the very beginning and uh, a few months later when we moved to test and go I think that's also very statistically based and data driven looking at the numbers that the infections are actually lower and many of the tourists that are arriving that has arrived are not where the infection comes from it's already in so based on that data itself, we were able to then ease the restriction and move into test and go. So it's it's very data driven. It, it's it's uh, factual. And the reasons for moving to ease the um, restriction is also um, uh, for
0: rational reasons as well and logical. And like you said, there's been a kind of gradual rolling back of restrictions. You know, 1st of July, tomorrow. Even the Thailand pass restriction is going to be removed, the travel insurance requirement to enter Thailand is removed. so essentially most regulations except being um, vaccinated are gone. Up to this point, what has made the biggest difference in terms of arrivals? you know what was it removing I don't know pre-departure testing or on-arrival testing or was there was there a point where you really saw things starting to pick up momentum yeah for
2: sure i think with all the different destinations opening up around us and we could see the ease of um restrictions particularly cambodia or bali we were the pioneers to open the border and then to see that we still have all these restrictions in place we're just shooting ourselves in the foot Um, So I think dropping that and being competitive with other destinations was a great help. So that really helped in terms of dropping those uh, restrictions. And also from the 23rd of June, wearing masks in public now is optional. Um, So that also, um, I guess, one of the signs that we have accepted the situation. It's a pandemic, you know, we've got to live with it. And I think Phuket has taken that mentality a few months ago as well that you know we accepted the situation we just have to live with it but with with the right measures and throughout this time as well when we ease the restriction we also see a lot of uh, corporate events coming back big groups we also see weddings destination weddings so um these are all the changes that we we are seeing immediately once the restrictions are eased and also increase in airlift from different destination and not only increase different destinations, but also frequency as well.
0: So you said that, um, you know, in terms of the, the tourists coming in, that, that mix is, has changed up a bit. So you, you were saying Middle East is becoming a bit more important. And India. So we've been getting quite a huge uh,
2: number of tourists from India, lots of, um, Frequency in flights as well, so th- that's where all the big weddings and celebrations also come from.
0: I was going to ask that because as soon as you said weddings, that was the bell ringing in my head like, aha! It must be for the Indian market because I know I've, I've seen the TAT talking quite heavily about the Indian market, also Saudi Arabian market, which I guess is within the, the Middle East as well.
2: Yeah, and they're doing a few road shows during in August as well uh, in India and Middle East, and so it is a uh, uh, two biggest market now. Uh, for Phuket.
1: What about the European market, Sumi?
2: Yeah, the European market is still good. I mean, they come during winter time, so it's quite seasonal. We see a lot of snowbirds, um, so that that would be a few months in a year. We're also seeing quite a lot of Australians as well, and Singapore, Korea. Those are. The top five,
1: and I guess I have to ask this question: How much is Phuket missing the Chinese market?
2: Well, oh, you know, surprisingly, we still do get some Chinese, but they're not, they're not Chinese who lives in China, but you know, from various part of the world. To a certain extent, we do we do miss them because you know, currently for the property market, we're seeing quite a big influx in the Chinese market buying properties in in Phuket, and you're seeing a lot of them doing it remotely as well. So I think a lot of people are just waiting for the borders to open so they could finalise a lot of the transactions. And some of them do go through even without them being here. That's quite a big shift. That's what we're seeing at the moment.
0: And how about the Russian market? So you, you kind of alluded to that earlier. And obviously, you know, we saw at the beginning of the year that was really starting to pick up. Has that disappearance been felt by your members?
2: Yeah, we did see Russian um, tourists. tourists. Kind of disappeared overnight. Uh, Now they're coming back, and we do get the high spend, high net worth Russians that are back at the moment, and and that's what we're seeing. Just the luxury market.
0: So I'd love to ask you more about what. The Phuket Hotels Association have been doing during COVID to support your members? Because obviously, you know, we just talked about it. One of, one of the greatest supports was really advocating for reopening. But I'm sure that you have, have been busy supporting members during COVID and now during this kind of recovery phase as well. So what kind of activities have you been undertaking?
2: Yeah, during this time, this challenging time during COVID, we, we spend a lot of time making sure that our hotel members are up to date with a lot of the uh, restrictions, regulations, different rules that change from time to time. I think the first three months was the most confusing times where not just regulations about travel, visas or the testing, but also regulations within the hotel, the staffing and the measurements for covid what do we need to do to be acceptable to be in the SHA program? And then they move from SHA to SHA+. plus. So making sure they're compliant, making sure that um, everyone is up to date with what the changes are and the changes move quite quickly. So making sure that everyone's up to date, know what to do, what, where to apply, who to contact. And especially during times where we had to close the hotels, and most of the hotels had to either put their staff on hold on on furlough also around that and how they can get subsidized from the government as well so a lot of compliance guidelines and uh, information that we make sure that they're up to date and during this time as well we had many of our hotel working group members time to look at strategy, how what we can do in terms of um, marketing the destination when, when it's time to reopen. So being part of the Puget Tourist Association's planning was integral in making this happen as well. And what are the steps that we need to do to be ready, making sure that we're COVID compliant Our hygiene and safety is up to standards and benchmark. Everyone's certified and um, the staff are vaccinated and also upskilling as well, making sure that they're still, I guess, trained to do what their roles, to do what they need to do in the hospitality industry.
1: And what about most of your hotels, I guess, or all of your hotels are now open. What's happening with hotel pricing and occupancy rates?
2: So we we did. um, So so right now with the demand uh, increasing, so it has increased quite a bit. It's still nowhere near to where it was before, but we are still holding up our prices and uh, we do expect numbers to increase occupancy between 80 percent next month. So it will pick up again, and I think it will get um, busier
0: in quarter three and four. That's fantastic. So it sounds like finally there's some positive momentum. So that must be a relief for you and your members.
2: Yes, exactly. And and you do find some of the hotels are are very busy when it comes to holding meetings and events. So booking a venue for meeting or or any special events are now. Quite busy time, so you you do have to look at dates in advance to book them.
0: That's a really, that's interesting. That's another really great sign. And I guess maybe some of these were perhaps ones that were postponed and then everybody's trying to hold the meetings now. Is that what you see is happening?
2: Yes, exactly. Some of them um, have already planned this, and actually, most companies have also paid deposit and now they're finally coming back because they've got the opportunity to travel again to then resume these activities.
1: And you mentioned that about Q3 and Q4, obviously going to be busy times for for Phuket and Thailand. Some Southeast Asian destinations, and in fact, destinations around the world right now, are reporting shorter booking windows. Are you noticing this in Phuket, particularly in terms of forward bookings?
2: Yeah, very much so. I think one of the trends that we've witnessed over time, post-COVID, is really the booking window time is getting shorter. And I think the flexibility with flights and accommodation makes that easier for tourists to book at a very short window of time. So planning time is also short. I guess we were used to COVID times where things were unpredictable. So people are leaving it to the very last minute in case of any changes occur in the country. Yeah, so in terms of tourists, we're seeing that uh, a shorter window, but if it's for an event or celebrations or weddings, so we do see a quite a longer window for booking.
0: And does that short booking window have um, have a big impact in terms of hotel planning and operations?
2: Yes, of course. Uh, particularly uh, staffing as well, so that does impact it quite a bit. Um, one of the biggest challenges post COVID is human resources. So a lot of many of our hotel members are facing the lack of not just staffing, but also skilled workers as well. So these are what we're trying to um, help with our hotel members. So looking at courses or training programs that could help fast track the staffing and also mentoring programs that we could help. It's sort of like a buddy system to help a new person into the industry.
1: In terms of those operational and particularly those uh, human resource challenges, are you noticing that that's across the board for hotel services or are there particular areas like housekeeping or F&B or front office where, you know, those, uh, those needs are, are more acute?
2: Yeah, we're seeing a lot more in F&B, actually most of F&B and also service area like uh, the front of house and uh, front desk. And everyone are going through the same problems as well. So not just only hotels, but you've got independent restaurants that and um, businesses on the island are also facing the same challenges.
0: Yeah, and of course, then I, I guess then that could potentially impact the quality of the experience that the traveller has when they're on the island as well, right? Yeah, that's right. So let's talk about the Thailand Travel Mart Plus. So this just happened quite recently in Phuket, um, organised um, by the TAT, bringing in, I think, buyers from all over the world. Did you or any of your member hotels get a chance to attend? And what was the vibe, you know, amongst buyers and sellers?
2: Yeah, yeah, it was great. So this was back in June, and uh, it was actually in the area where where our office is as well. And uh, there are about six hotels there. They were all fully booked. Uh, We saw a lot of movement on the island for a week. It was fantastic in terms of bringing the vibe back because you could see some unfamiliar faces in the area. They're going to different outlets. Um, There are different events happening uh, every evening and lunchtime, they will be at, they will be invited to different hotels to do um, for a fam trip or uh, a cocktail evening. So there there was certainly a lot of um, activity and movement during that week. So that really brought back the first mega event Phuket.
1: And we've talked at great detail, Sumi, about international markets and how Phuket is welcoming back travelers from key markets and, and looking at new markets as well. But what about the domestic Thai market? How, how's that holding up in Phuket?
2: We see the domestic market a very important one. And I think if it wasn't for COVID, many of our hotel members do not pay that much attention to domestic market. But they, they now realize how important it is. And um, the domestic market also rediscovered Phuket during COVID times. We have seen many um, residences from Bangkok relocated to Phuket, especially when schools and uh, establishments were closed in Bangkok, where Phuket was still open. So many of them actually now either fall in love with Phuket to stay on or have purchased a second home in Phuket. So we have seen that trend. It is important because, uh, you know, it is one sector where there's not, it's not seasonal. So we, we get them all year round, especially during long weekends or school holidays. So it's important to still foster that market and to make sure that they are also part of our planning and, and
0: marketing strategy moving forward. Absolutely. And it's interesting that you said, you know, that this the, the opportunity for Thai travellers to, to start kind of falling in love with Phuket again, because when we were talking again to Bali last week, that's what they were saying that they've experienced as well with domestic travellers and how they're kind of had that opportunity to rediscover Bali as well.
2: With Phuket Sandbox, I think that that was the key, you know, Phuket being the gateway to other destinations in Thailand. It just gave people the opportunity to travel around Phuket because they had to stay either 14 days or seven days before they could um, branch out to other cities. And people rediscover. And Phuket has changed a lot in the last five years, 10 years. Uh, There's many more restaurants. There there are different places to visit, more attractions. So, you know, we've just opened one of the biggest water parks in Southeast Asia, Andaman and Amanda in Phuket. That was a couple months ago. So it, there, there are a few attractions now in Phuket that makes it attractive.
0: And so, looking ahead, then to challenges for the second half of two thousand and twenty-two. What are those? I mean, you, you mentioned air connectivity is picking up. Is that still a challenge for Phuket? What What else are you are you facing right now?
2: Yeah, airlift is always a challenge because you know if we can't bring them here then there's nothing we could do. So if we have the means and if there is a platform for them to come and obviously then we will then, it would help the hospitality industry. The challenges I think we hope to to make sure that it's less next year is really the human resources, making sure that, because many of our hotel members are still uh, working on the capacity of maybe 40% or 50% of their full intended number of staff so as you can imagine, if they have the same amount of visitors or guests to the hotels, but with half the staffing, the experience will not be the same. So just making sure that, I guess, we have enough human resources in the area.
1: So what's the general industry feeling at the moment? If, you, if we look back, we, we, we started the show by talking about the Phuket sandbox. That's one year ago. If we look forward a little bit into the future... There's been so many learnings, as you said, there've been so many challenges and there are challenges ahead. There's no question about that. But what's the industry feeling? Is it optimistic about the future sort of looking into 2023?
2: It's definitely optimistic. And I think one of the things that um, the hotel discovered, and I think a few are moving into the direction is catering to the digital nomad, making sure that they have the avenues or platform to cater to them. So core living space is now one of the things that they look at for their hotels, or if there are new hotels coming on to the island, they make they make sure that there's a co living space to cater to digital nomads, and also sustainability. Um, this whole environmental issue is a big one. I think with COVID, we've noticed you know less carbon footprint. Our beaches are pristine. The corals are like beautiful and it's untapped and that's what we want to preserve. And I think many of our hotel members want to make sure that, you know, that continues. And that is the true image of Phuket, like where, you know, we do have pristine beaches and they're beautiful and the and things are clean. And we, we try not to use single use plastics because COVID did set us back a few te- steps because of hygiene reasons where everything had to be cling wrapped, Uh, wrapped in plastics. So now we want to go back into being sustainable again. So that's also big on
0: everyone's mind. And is the Phuket Hotels Association kind of supporting members with initiatives around sustainability? Absolutely. So we've got three very distinct
2: pillars. Uh, Sustainability is one of them. So we look at how we can be sustainable in our daily operations so the association comes up with guidelines measurements we work with different partners profit non-profit uh, organizations we because we're a non-profit organization we work with embassies and also educational institutions so that we could leverage the expertise or or funding into doing audits and also um, benchmark uh, programs and measurements so these are the things that we bring to our hotel member to add value the other two pillars we look at is education so the mentoring system is very important training and also putting through local thai students to study hospitality through our fundraising program that we run annually and the last one is uh promoting phuket as a destination and the industry so we're non-commercial so we don't promote individual hotels, but we promote the destination and we promote the industry in Phuket.
1: Sumi, it's been fantastic to talk to you. I've learned so much today. Thanks very much for for your really, really strong and brilliant insights. We have to finish up on one personal question before we go. You're based in Phuket, you're traveling at the moment to Bangkok, but what are your travel aspirations for the rest of the year?
2: You know, when, when Phuket opened last year, uh, I've been I've been traveling for at least three times overseas. So definitely, I hope that will continue and it gets easier and easier each time, but definitely busier. So coming to Bangkok, I've noticed that planes are full, um, roads are busy, even booking restaurants is becoming a challenge, which is so lovely to see. And uh, I hope it continues because I think, you know, we've had some hard times And I'm glad that, you know, that that the hard times are over and we're seeing some very positive changes ahead of us.
0: And I just hope it continues. Us too. Well, on that positive note, that brings us to a close of the special Phuket edition. We hope you enjoyed the podcast and don't forget to send us your thoughts and comments on anything we discussed with Sumi or anything we missed out you can drop us a message on our LinkedIn page at the Southeast Asia Travel Show.
1: Meanwhile, you can catch up with the Southeast Asia Travel Show's full back catalogue on our website, the seasiatravelshow.com. And of course, you can listen to every episode, including this one, on all the various international podcast platforms. Again, just search for the Southeast Asia Travel Show on each app. And if you do tune in via Spotify or Apple Podcasts, please remember to give us a quick rating and a review as that will help other people to find the show.
0: So that's a wrap for today and we'll return next week when we'll be looking back on the big travel talking points from the first half of 2022. We look forward to talking to you then.